This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mario. Money. Machismo. Miami. Good morning. It's Wednesday, February 9th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. You can probably tell by the title and by the intro that we're having a little fun with this one on the heels of what's been a busy week for the Miami Hurricanes, who finished with the number 15 ranked class on National Signing Day and also lured away Kevin Steele, who had, like the day before, taken the defensive coordinator job at Maryland, and Josh Gaddis, Michigan's Broyles award-winning offensive coordinator. So we're going to talk to Inside the U's David Lake about all of that, plus the dirt on the names who almost took the job during Mario Cristobal's month-plus process. I was very surprised by one of them, and I don't think you're going to want to miss it. The College Football Daily will be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, David Lake joins us right now. David, before we get to what was probably the best OCDC hiring combo of the offseason and, and what Miami was able to do, give us a few of the names that you had been hearing for each of the spots, maybe a little gossip, a little intel, a little dirt, some of the, some of the yeah. names um, before they get lost to history. Yeah, so how much time you got? Because there's quite a bit of names here to go through. I think... I think we should start with Kendall Bryles, the Arkansas offensive coordinator. You know, I do think there was a dance happening early on. I think Bryles made a pretty aggressive push when uh, Mario was hired in December. And I think they talked the entire time, you know, and then in mid-January, Bryles, I think, kind of got tired of waiting around for a decision. And I know what's been reported. I've heard other things in terms of whether or not Miami offered him the job. doesn't really matter. Bottom line, it didn't come together. Another name, Joe Brady, right? I think mm. that was another name that early on Mario pursued strongly. Joe was, was pretty, pretty straightforward with Mario, letting him know his, his desire was to remain in the NFL as an OC. When those options didn't come up for Joe, Mario circled back around on him. And uh, Joe just kind of, they, they continued to talk here, you know, mid-January, I'd say to late January, but Joe ultimately decided he'd rather even just stay in the NFL as a quarterback coach or wide receiver coach. He's now a quarterback coach with the Bills, of course. And then Tommy Reese, I think, is the most recent interesting one. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. So this one, I'm of the understanding that they were talking for the majority of this entire search. And... You know, I don't necessarily want to throw the number out there, but it's a it's a massive number that Mario was offering Tommy Reese in terms of salary. 
and they met, I believe, on Saturday. And on Saturday, Mario told Tommy Reese, hey, I need to know by the end of tomorrow what your decision is. Tommy Reese, so Mario hit him up on Sunday morning. Tommy Reese said, no, I don't think I can do it. And this was news to me. So I did not know, I'll I'll be frank when I don't know things. I did not know Mario and Gaddis were talking at that time. Right. I've, I've since circled back and, you know, those conversations started Thursday ish. Um, so that Gaddis situation progressed quickly. And basically, I think it lined up to a situation where Tommy Reese said no. Mario said, okay, thanks. Immediately went and offered Gaddis the job, knowing Gaddis would jump at it. And uh, here we are on that situation. And then DC, you know, I think that's a situation where a lot of guys got tired of waiting. For Mario to make a decision, there's Doug Belk, the Houston defensive coordinator, got tired of waiting. There was also some buyout concerns for Miami, you know, whether or not it was worth giving him a hefty salary and paying a, a, a like $700,000 buyout on top of that. Derek Mason, I think Derek Mason, frankly, got tired of waiting. And, uh, you know, I think Glenn Schumann, uh, Mario, the, the Georgia co-DC and linebackers coach Mario made a run at him. But I think the feeling there for now is that he's kind of like a Kirby lifer at this stage, just feels good about where he's at with Georgia. And there was some NFL position coach explorations, but ultimately landed on a guy who he's very comfortable with. Kevin Steele has a lot of respect for in a lot of different ways. So ultimately it was, it was a patient situation is certainly unconventional, something I've never experienced before, but this is Mario's process. And uh, the end result, I think, is is two good hires. That's funny that, well, first of all, I think Josh Gaddis is a better candidate than Tommy Reese, but it's funny that um, Reese, who had, he wasn't, I, I guess he was a free agent, um, but he, he recommitted to Notre Dame few weeks ago, obviously that was a massive deal. Funny that that was still something he was thinking about taking a different job says no, because on the flip side, Kevin Steele rather infamously at this point had already taken the job at Maryland, had already had his yeah. his office door uh, inscribed with his name. Were there any optics jugglings there? Probably more so at Maryland, just like a, a kind of a big L and Miami's like, yeah, I mean, we, what do you want us to say here? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I don't think, I mean, look with the, the amount of money that Miami is now willing to throw around, I don't think any of that matters to Miami. I think, you know, there's some guys who, you know, recently were hired different places that Miami was fine with trying to make a run at. I think that's still going on with position coaches, honestly. Um, So Miami's willing to pay. Right. And so if that's the case, I don't think they, you know, nothing is off the table. That's kind of what I've taken with this approach, both from a patient standpoint. And like you said, making making a run at a guy like Tommy Reese, who you would figure, yeah, Miami has zero shot, but it did kind of, it was a situation where Tommy Reese was, was thinking about it. How much of a tightrope did Miami have to walk this last month to maintain or to not have Tyler Van Dyke, the, the rising star quarterback transfer? Because there were Caleb Williams rumors that happened sure. nationally, especially being linked to the possible Joe Brady hire, almost total denial from the Miami market, which makes sense. But then the fact, David, that a new coach came in, took an entire month to hire an offensive coordinator, and he didn't lose the star quarterback. That's, I mean, that's just pretty remarkable. Yeah, it is. I think it speaks. To, there's a lot of different things going on there that I think helped Miami retain Tyler. 
Number one, I just generally think he likes it at Miami. Uh, number two, they've been pretty aggressive with NIL deals. So they locked him up. I mean, there's a new startup company called Life Wallet, which could be a podcast on its own. But they've they signed Tyler. I think they gave him fifty thousand dollars or something for one year alone, which you know helps helps him stay. And I think too, you know, look, Mario Cristobal is a good recruiter, and when he was hired, he publicly and privately made it clear that hey, you're our guy. We need you. You're very important to our situation here moving forward. So I agree. I mean, anytime a coaching change happens, especially now in this transfer era, things can get dicey. But honestly, I, I don't think I don't think it was ever really a thought that from Tyler or his camp that he would explore other options. You keep mentioning aggressive. We've talked about the money. It's not just Miami that's getting more compelled to spend. It's not just Miami, but Miami is is maybe one of the top programs as far as changing philosophy there with, with yes. life wallet, how have, and, and Mario Cristobal just exudes masculinity, just this total alpha character. And sure. I, I loved watching him with, with Josh, with Josh paid on the late kick the other night. I mean, we can maybe get into that as our, as our final thing after this one, but covering the program with the, the new aggression and the money and the guy in charge. Yeah. How has that been different for you? And, and how are you changing your expert expectations for what this program is going to look like? It's definitely a different mindset, right? Like I think, you know, over the past 10, 15 years, honestly, since I've been covering the program, quite frankly, you know, like let's say when we go into a signing day, right? And Miami's battling SEC programs for a top 100 type recruit. There was an assumption. And I think, quite frankly, it, it bared out this way that that player was going to go to an SEC program. This first signing day, I mean, Miami made a strong run at five-star. Shamar Stewart you know, ended up at Texas A&M, but I think Miami gave him a lot to think about, and it was extremely close. And then they landed, they pulled Trevante Citizen out of Louisiana, running four-star running back, close to a top 100 guy, where all the crystal balls were on Florida. And of course, LSU wanted him. And it was one of the surprises of the day. Quite frankly, on that Sunday, we had heard Miami feels good about it. I don't know if this was planned, but that confidence kind of waned from Miami. And then 30 minutes before Trevante Citizen announced, we got a call saying, yeah, this is probably going to happen. So it's just a different, it is a different mindset. You know, you, we, we talked about how the coordinators may be the best pairing of coordinators in the country. They're willing to spend upwards of $8 million on their staffing pool, which will be one of the the highest in the country. It's a total, total different approach than we've seen from Miami, who's quite frankly been cheap. But this approach did start in terms of, and, and we can, you know, people disagree with the approach, and I get that. Uh, but the way that they handled the Manny Diaz situation was kind of the that that was kind of just the start of it, right? We're going to be aggressive, you know. The people in charge at the University of Miami, they take a lot of pride in in what this school was in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And uh, right now, they are saying they are going to do whatever it takes to get back to that level, and uh, their actions are backing that up. Last one for you, David, just because I'm a company man. Tell me the most sure. interesting thing Mario Cristobal told Josh Pate. Yeah, the thing I liked most about that interview, and I'd recommend everyone go go watch that, 
on the YouTube channel at 24-7 Sports. But you know, when, when Josh Gaddis was hired, I think from rival fan bases, there was an assumption of, oh, Miami's going to, you know, because Mario Cristobal is an O-line guy and Michigan last year was run heavy power offense. There was a, a assumption that Miami's going to be this, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust offense, run heavy offense, which I think, look, there's no doubt Mario's going to want to run the ball. But what he told Josh, I think, in, in, some, in some ways was, look, my vision for this offense, honestly, is 2018 Alabama, which is when you know, Josh Gaddis was the co-OC on that 2018 Alabama team. And Miami's got a long ways to go, personnel-wise, to get to that level. But that 2018 Alabama team ran the ball more than they threw the ball. Uh, but still, there's no denying that's one of the most explosive offenses we've we've ever seen in college football. With two, uh, you know, the four wide receivers that went on to be first round picks, the three running backs that went on to be NFL running backs. So I think the vision is is balance, power, spread. Which, if we're being real, is what Alabama is. But the challenge now for Mario and Josh Gaddis is to improve the personnel, particularly on the offensive line, where quite frankly, they're just kind of a finesse group right now. Yeah. I mean, he says 2018 Alabama and, uh, you know, a lot of kids from South Florida pay attention to Alabama. I think that's just sure. a big sign over, over their program saying we need your help. I love that. David Lake, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to David Lake. He does a great job over at Inside the U, which is 24-7 Sports' Miami site. And if you want more Miami info, make sure you subscribe to the Through the Smoke podcast, the most recent one, episode titled, Did Miami Hire the Best Coordinator Pair of the Cycle? My name is Trey Scott. Our producer is Lance Glenn. Hope you have a great Wednesday. We will talk to you on Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.